Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Blitz. As always, I am Vince Miller, joined by my co-host Ashton Overholt. Ashton, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. I'm I'm doing good. It's um and something that I was gonna bring up too. I, I don't know if you saw it um the past couple of days. Josh Pate, a podcast that we both follow, uh put something out about fall weddings. Um <laughs> yes. and I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Um I so I was playing it in the car last night. Uh me and my wife were were on our way out somewhere. I just had it playing on my phone. I wasn't really paying attention definitely did not mean to piss her off at all but it, the, <laughs> the part about the fall weddings came on and i i yeah anyway one thing led to another we had a small argument there and it was she she won't listen to this so she'll never know what yeah she'll never really know but they're actually it's a real thing fall weddings are a real thing and his point i think is a valid point when he when he says that the people that do schedule these weddings in the fall they do it with a smile and a smirk yeah, exactly. and they kind of enjoy that um and and i was like ah that's that, that's true because in my experience i have um yeah we obviously didn't get married in the fall but um yeah, we've had you know some some friends um that that have and that rang true for me so anyway that was free for everyone out there we yeah we <laughs> we recovered from it and and everything ended up well but um yeah a little argument we got into a little it's it's the, it's february you know like it's february i thought we were kind of you know i haven't watched college football in a little while now i thought we were kind of easing into the off season apparently the you know the feelings are still strong there i liked the other point he made was that it's not that we care more about college football than you we just care yeah. more about college football in your wedding <laughs> the, the other yeah i agree with that but then and then one more point kind of on top of that is is how self-centered it is really to demand someone's presence um you know like <laughs> like i will be offended if you are not there anyway i know we're, we're probably this is probably not we probably shouldn't be saying this because i'll be honest we're in the minority by the way like yeah. us like those of us who are like no you know the fall saturdays are sacred we lose every time because no uh, no one agrees with us um yeah or, you know at least none Only of the family hunters. will <laughs> right right there's you have to be pretty you know die hard you have to really be into this stuff to uh you know to be one of us and and <laughs> we we always lose it seems like we always lose and give in right okay well moving on to what we actually wanted to talk about today uh let's jump into the 2024 recruiting rankings um this has been over for a while i would say but we're we're just because of the nature of college football and the whole calendar. It seemed like we were we weren't able to get into it as deeply into December this year as as we have in right. some years previously. Um, before we jump into it, a quick just brief explainer for some of those out there who don't maybe pay attention to recruiting rankings quite as closely. Just I'll try to give the two minute version, and, and you correct anything that I get wrong. Basically, there's four major. Uh, services that that rank high school recruits it's 24 7 it's on three rivals and espn and then to make things a little more complicated then you have on three and 24 7 both have a well for in 24 7 it's the composite rankings and on on three it's the consensus rankings where on three takes all four equally gives them all equal weight 
puts them together and they have their on three consensus rankings, which is different than their own on three rankings. 24 seven puts all four together um, a little more weight given to certain ones than others because certain ones are better than others. And then they have their own, then they have their 24 seven composite rankings, which is, which pulls from all four. Um, and then that's separate from their own 24 seven rankings. So essentially you have six different ranking systems. Um, we like to use the 24 seven composite. I think it probably turns out to be, the most accurate in the long run because you get the most voices and and a little more weight given to the better ones, if that makes any sense. Um, is that good so far? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good so far. I, I I think it's a fair point that not all recruiting rankings are created equal. Um, there yeah. are some that are 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 significantly worse, and there's some I don't, max prep max preps that was not even that long ago that they were a a voice at least and and yeah. they're not listed in these composites um and yeah i it's it kind it kind of comes and goes on three i think will become eventually i i think eventually that will become the the dominant one but i do agree that currently the the 24/7 composite is in my opinion it's the one i pull up it's the one i pull up yeah. to you know to look at so no i'm that's what we'll be using today uh to kind of break some of this down um and then when she so we're using the twenty four seven composite today as much as possible, um, and then it also gets complicated further by the fact that they also have uh, transfer portal rankings. So on their website, you can look at the recruiting rankings, which is high school. You can look at the transfer rankings, which is obviously transfers, and then the overall rankings. Um, all of them are useful in their own way. Um, yeah, it's a little weird trying to squish together. Re- high school recruits and transfers. So, you know, you know, might have one, one year or whatever compared to four or five years for some of these high school guys. Um, but it is an interesting snapshot. Nonetheless, recruiting rankings, by the way, not a hundred percent, obviously they're not a hundred percent accurate. Like there's so many stories every year, especially around the Super Bowl. like, Oh, this former two-star player turned into this all pro. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, which, you know, proves that recruiting rankings are baloney, which is not true because as we've gone over many times, Five stars are way more likely to be drafted than four stars, and four stars are way more likely to be drafted than three stars. And and underlined by the fact, for mo- for most of these big name programs, the goal is to win a title. And in the recruiting ranking rankings era, the internet recruiting rankings era, if you have at least fifty percent blue chip, which is four or five star players on your roster, that is the baseline required. That's the bare minimum required to win a national title. Um, so those are just some of the basics. So today we're going over the 2024 rankings. Um, we'll try to say if we're talking about high school recruiting or transfer or overall um, can get a little iffy, but let me just quickly, I'll go through the top 10 classes in the country. I'm going to just go through the overall um, and then we can pick them apart from there. So the top 10 classes in the country, number one, Georgia, no surprise there. They're doing great, great things. Number two, Alabama. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, Oregon. Five, Texas. Six, Miami. Seven, Auburn. Eight, Notre Dame. Nine, LSU. Ten, Florida State. Um, just looking at that top ten, Ashton, what stands out to you right away? Like a couple of schools that maybe aren't winning that signed top ten classes. Obviously, Miami and Auburn. You know, mm-hmm. signing they signed um, number six and number seven um, classes, and. Yeah, like they like they're not currently winning football games, you know. But that's I think they are definitely giving themselves the ability to win later on. There is like there are people out there, and I do want to be careful too 
because I think Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, like that's kind of the case study that you can't only recruit your way. Like you have to recruit and do other things. You can't only recruit your way to, you know, a whole bunch of wins that, you know, it didn't work out for Jimbo there. Right. Mm. But that like, there are people out there that would say that Miami actually had a better year last year than Florida state because Miami signed, you know, a, you know, a top class Florida state did not Florida state, Florida state went undefeated, you know, and beat Miami and, and like, yeah, Miami's not, um, you know, not anywhere, you know, um, close to them, you know, currently on the field. I disagree with that. Like it is, the wins do matter on the field, but this was huge for Miami. Like, like this is this is what Cristobal does. He's been good at stockpiling talent. They didn't get a ton of wins last year, but they brought in some five stars. You know, like that's where that's what you need um, to compete long term. So, I'm, I actually, I guess, I would fall kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, but I'm very impressed overall with Miami and Auburn. Like, despite not really winning on the field the the coaches have proved that like we can we can recruit with anybody even when we're not winning Mm -hmm. Uh, i i'm with you we've kind of this this is now mario cristobal has done this before at miami they had an excellent class that top 10 class the year before as well yeah the new one is auburn like some of the newer college football fans don't realize the ceiling that auburn is capable of reaching um they are not alabama they're not Georgia, but they absolutely can be a consistent top 10 recruiting power. And Hugh Freeze, obviously, he knows that that's he he knows that that is how he will make his hay at Auburn. Um, and he's put a lot of stock in recruiting. Um, who else? One stands thing if I, Sorry, go ahead. Well, one, one thing I can on, on the Auburn point, and you made a good one, and I'll just try, kind of maybe add to it. Auburn is a sleeping giant. Um, Auburn has a, they have a lot of money. They're in a great uh, location. Nick Saban being, you know, in state, you know, just across the state, he took a lot of luster off of that Auburn job. I think he, he, yeah, Saban retiring is a huge deal for Auburn. Like that, that frees up a lot of recruits. It frees up a lot of um, just potential really for that, for that Auburn program. So yes, this is, for me, this is a sign of things to come. I would expect Auburn to continue recruiting at this place, especially with Hugh Freeze, who is absolutely going to make his money, uh, you know, on the trail. So, yeah, it's it's a good point. I, there's, you're right. People don't fully understand how great Auburn could be, um, but you may find about find out about that now with Saban retiring. Like, there's a real chance that Auburn gets on a roll here recruiting, especially the state of Alabama. Mm-hmm. So looking at the top, uh, you're a Georgia fan. Georgia number one, number one class in the country. That's both recruiting high schoolers and the overall, which includes the transfer portal. What do you, what do you like about Georgia's class? Maybe maybe positionally or individual players. Like what stands out to you with Georgia's class? It was it was a whole bunch of defensive players. Really, um, they stacked Shocker. a whole bunch of defensive. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like how how dare they get a whole bunch of five stars on defense? Um, and then. I think what what kind of stuck out maybe maybe not as much as what it should have honestly something that might have just flown under the radar a little bit um, but I think you will you you'll realize here in a couple of years when these guys are playing is the massive offensive linemen that they that they they got a whole bunch of absolutely huge offensive linemen so yeah this this is I think this is Kirby kind of saying 
you know, we, we can get some guys in the portal. I mean, they clearly think they can get receivers and, you know, a running back, maybe a tight end, a skill position piece, maybe a safety, something like that in the portal. We are having a hard time finding any quality offensive linemen in the portal. Yes. So the answer to that is we're just going to hoard them all out of high school. We're going to sign all of them. And yeah, and we're going to keep as many as we can and we're going to keep the best ones, you know, and and that way we don't have to go looking in the portal for offensive linemen. I think I think it's a good move. I think it's him adjusting maybe a little early on to to some trends that he's seeing there. You look at Colorado like Colorado is they're barely recruiting out of high school at all and the positions that Colorado can't seem to get fixed in the in the portal is offensive line, offensive yeah. and defensive line. So, yeah, I think this is a smart a smart move, get better in the trenches. Um and yeah, it's you're right. It's it we're we're kind of like it's kind of a little bit of a joke how many huge guys they have. Um but it's yeah, Kirby, he doesn't really care. Like he's not he's not here for the uh the betterment of the sport, right? He's just here to get as many good players as he can. So, yeah. that's his job. Uh so just looking at that defensive class, I want to just point some of this out just for those that are listening at home that aren't super dialed into this stuff at cornerback georgia has the number one and number three cornerbacks in the country they have the number one and number three linebackers in the country they have the number one safety in the country they have a five-star defensive lineman tacked on for good measure um (laughs) it's just a really good defensive class uh you mentioned the offensive linemen. It's like four four-star offensive linemen, none, none of whom are super highly ranked, but all like really solid prospects. And you mentioned the size. Um, how do you feel about the offensive skill talent? Um, and include quarterback in that as well. In in this class, okay, so so they they missed on Dylan Iola, right? He was right. committed for a really really long time. He was the number one quarterback in the class. He was the kind of the consensus. He was the guy, right? Like mm-hmm. he wasn't Arch Manning, but he was a definite number one, you know, um, you know, quarterback in his class type guy, and he has been for a while. Um, he was committed to Georgia for a long time, and then flips, um, and and ends up at Nebraska. Um, by the way, did, just. You heard the stuff like with Kirk Herbstreit kind of saying that, you know, he should flip or whatever. Have you, you've heard that story right. probably? Yeah. I, I don't know a lot of details, but I have heard, heard it talked about. Yeah, go ahead. I don't know about Kirk Herbstreit, man. I don't know about Kirk Herbstreit. <laughs> I, yeah, he, he can, between this and the FSU stuff where he kind of called everyone dumb, like he's still kind of doing this. Like I watch more games than everyone. You're all dumb. And, and I'm smart. It's like, like. Like, okay. I mean, yeah, your ESPN. Yeah, we, we get it. Anyway, that's, it's enough on Kirk. We can, we can talk about him all off season. I, I'm not a fan of that guy right now. Um, But the, as far as Georgia's offensive players, after the quarterback flipped away, they still did have a quarterback there, which is really nice having a, um, you know, a, a high four-star quarterback with Ryan, Ryan Puglisi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an okay class. Like, I'm not going to say it's a fantastic class. Georgia missed on some of the top wide receivers that they were hoping to get. Um, they, yeah, like they, they missed on a couple of things on, on offense. So they, they got really, really good in, in the trenches, but as far as skill positions, it was a little, it was as lackluster as a number one overall class can be <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's kind of, yeah. Like kind of, yeah. Champagne problems, I guess, but it would have been nice to see, another top receiver come into class as well. Is it fair to say it's the number one class this year, but it's not like it's an, a historically great 
recruiting class? Not not on offense. On, on defense, it's maybe one of the best classes ever put together. Yeah. Like from a just a defensive standpoint. But yes, it was very defensive heavy. And I think I think it was a little bit like we talked about like certain things that you can pick up in the portal. I think Kirby was kind of saying, I, I can pick up some receivers in the portal. And he has. He's picked up three of them so far, and as well as Trevor Etienne, you know, a top running back um in the portal. So he's okay with, with portaling in some, some guys in, in supplementing his roster that way. And it looks like a clear strategy, which I'm okay with. Like if he feels that that's a trend and, and I can, I'm going to load up on some, you know, take some extra offensive linemen and then I'm not going to take as many receivers or, you know, running backs. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. If he thinks he can get in the portal. So it's definitely where George is trending. Um, you're, you're not seeing everyone do that for sure. But mm-hmm. Georgia is they're they're trying something and I'll yeah, we'll we'll see how it works for them. So just shifting real quick to the number two class, uh Alabama. Maybe one of the biggest stories here is that Julian's saying they're still getting credit for him in their rankings because he did technically enroll at Alabama for about two weeks and then he transferred to Ohio State. Um right. because of Bill O'Brien, apparently, who is now gone. <laughs> but Julian's saying now at Ohio State, so he's not actually – they're not actually going to get him at Alabama. They're still getting credit right. for him in their rankings. Other than him, though, it is still a really impressive class. I was talking about Georgia having number one and number three corners in the country. Bama has number two and number four, and they have the number three safety. So, but you know, these these two teams, they're kind of hogging the talent um, on the def- in the defensive backfield. Not that there's not other talented players, you know, down, down the list. But it does seem like – Bama, they did sign a really good class, especially for losing the greatest coach of all time. It's not like they were able to hold on to everybody. Like I mentioned, they lost Julian Sam, but you have to you have to feel fairly good about the way they they were able to hold on to most of the class. Um, and it's still a very good class. Like I, I guess I'm trying to say it's it's you still kind of have to view it as a win, don't you? I think so. There, there's no way you can look at them at number two overall, given the fact that Saban just walked out the door and, and you see Alabama and two, and it's like, well, like they might've been there even with Saban, you know, like, like we expect to see Alabama at two. That's where they should be. I thought he did a really good job of keeping what was there together. Cause there were, there's a ton of coveted players in there. There's a lot of players in that, in, in this class that, that, um you know, any other, any other, um you know, team in the country would love to have. So yeah, it, it was impressive. I, I, I agree with that. And, one thing I will say between Georgia and Alabama, like I, I Georgia and Alabama really view themselves as the other, like they, they only view like just Georgia and Alabama as the top two like competitors for top talent. Like I know Alabama signs, I mean, um, Ohio state signs a lot of top talent. They do, but Kirby and and Saban, they looked at each other as each other's main rivals. They wanted right. the same thing. You know, yeah. they wanted the same guys. They wanted the same the same type of, of player. And yeah, I I think that that with Saban gone, I mean, this was this was impressive for Alabama. I think there's it's a lot to be determined on how they'll be able to recruit going forward. It's one thing just to keep guys there. It's going to be another thing for DeBoer next year to actually get you know five stars. Yeah. And, and have them commit to you the first time instead of just hanging on to what you already have. But he did a good job of it. And like, these guys are going to be around for a while. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to have a really good nucleus, more talented than anything he's ever had before. Like there will be more talent. This is by far the best class that he's ever worked with. No question right. about it. 
I will say the one thing that I was really impressed by him was being able to hold on to Ryan Williams, the five-star receiver who's the number three receiver in the country, but the number four overall players because three of the top four are all receivers. Um, but he was rumored for a long time to be probably an Auburn flip. Like everyone thought he was going to Auburn and visited Alabama and DeBoer was able to impress him enough that he decided to stick with Bama. Um, that's a big get. To me, that it's it's less about Ryan Williams specifically, and maybe more about DeBoer was able to affect. We know he he at least has some recruiting chops if he was able to pull that off because everyone and their mother thought he was going to Auburn, um, and he was able to hold on to him, and in the end, which you know, like that that's a big deal. You're gonna have to win those battles against Georgia, Auburn, Clemson, Ohio State. Like you're going to have to win those battles. And we at least know he is capable of doing that. Now, he probably won't do it as often as Saban did, but he at least can win some of those battles. Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. signed yeah. in this class. Um, I, I'm old. I don't know how else to say yeah. this. I'm an old person. I remember Drake Kirkpatrick playing um, right. for them. So, you know, what is this? Like, how how this that, that can't be right. Like, that's a, clearly a typo. I just double-checked it, but it's clearly a typo. Like, I refuse to believe that's correct. Um, yeah, time flies, man. Uh, let's move on down the, the rankings here. Three Ohio State, four Oregon, five Texas. Um, maybe more briefly looking at these, but what, what stands out to you about any of those three classes? That's where these guys should recruit. When you look at Sark, Lanning, and Ryan Day, you expect them to have top five classes. That's where they should be recruiting. And to their credit, that's where they did recruit. So yeah, I Oregon, by the way, Oregon Lanning is bringing something new to Oregon. Oregon recruited well under Cristobal. I understand that, mm-hmm. but Lanning is bringing the ties back to the Southeast. He's, he's able to get guys, you know, that he had relationships with, um, you know, in, in his Georgia days and his, um, in his days there in the South, and he's able to, to, to bring them along to Oregon so far. It's been impressive. I like Ohio state's going to be right up there high and Texas is too. That's not really a surprise. I like just, those are really, really good programs. Oregon's kind of a newcomer here, but they do belong. I think they do belong right up here with Ohio state and Texas. And I, I think they're, they're observing of that spot. They signed a bunch. They signed a huge class 38 total. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the transfer, the transfer uh, Evan Stewart from the the receiver from AM that they got, yeah, that's a big get for Oregon. That's huge. Um, someone that can really help out. Uh, probably Dil- Dylan Gabriel. We're assuming that Gabriel will will have that starting job uh, for the Ducks. That's that's a big get for them. They need someone to step in after Troy Franklin has he's he's entering the draft now. So, yeah, Oregon. I I would say that that is the the biggest surprise of those next three, kind of to complete the top five. You expect to see Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Texas. Mm-hmm. Oregon is now one of those and, and they, they set a very high bar for themselves and, and they will need to continue um, to recruit at that level. If they want to compete with Ohio state in the big 10. Another thing that is impressive to me about Oregon's class. And we know this, this has kind of been a thing. I mean, even since Cristobal was there, but I think a lot of casual or more casual fans of college football who don't follow the recruiting quite as closely don't realize how well they are recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. Five of their top 100 recruits are defensive players. So that looks a lot like an SEC class. Like that's a really impressive thing. They also brought in Washington's best secondary player in the portal. Um, Yeah. 
that's tough. Uh, Jabbar yeah. Muhammad. So yeah, that's a really impressive class. If you look at the the coaches from two years ago, all the all the really good hires, you know, Kalen DeBoer is already gone. But like, if you look at the, I think we grouped Lanning and Marcus Freeman, and oh, uh, Venables, Brent Venables. We kind of grouped those three together as defensive mm-hmm. coordinators who were first time head coaches. I think you have to argue that Lanning has done the best job so far. And I think you could argue all three have done pretty good things so far. Lanning is just absolutely kicking butt. And, and, you know, Oregon has money to play with. Like they are, they are stepping up to the plate and taking advantage of what they got. He's done a really good job of being innovative on the offensive side. Like he's a defensive guy, right? You mentioned he's a defensive coordinator, but like recruiting top talent getting Bo Nix to go there for two years and then getting the quarterbacks and the receiver that he got this year um has been impressive like that that's not something that you would have necessarily thought that you were going to get with a defensive coordinator you know coming from the south you would have thought things would would look a little bit different so yeah I agree there he's done a really good job um he hasn't won a lot of big games on the field but man he's recruiting at, at such a clip right now um you feel like the wins are just that that's just a matter of time for him so let's look at the we mentioned like all the top seven, uh, eight through 10, Notre Dame, LSU, Florida state, anything stand out to you about those schools there. And by the way, like these are all uh, eight through, uh, sorry, seven through 13 are all separated by barely any in the point system, like Notre Dame, LSU, Florida state, Florida, Tennessee, and Oklahoma. If you're just talking about the points, it's all pretty much the same class, but what stands out to you maybe from, from eight to 13? I would say Notre Dame being slightly above, even if, if even if it's only like half a point above LSU, still above, yeah. um, you know, uh, Brian Kelly there. I thought that was interesting. Um, Freeman's done a nice job there recruiting no five stars in this class, which I mm-hmm. like was, they've had a number of five stars recruited, even going back to last year, only for guys to kind of flip away at the last minute. Um, yeah. which has been, I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a trend for them. They still recruit really, really well, but they do need to supplement like a really nice class with a couple of big time pieces at the top of that class mm-hmm. to kind of get them past eight. I think they've done a great job, not disparaging them in any way, but it would be nice to see them hang on to those five stars at the last minute. Right. It's a little funky because they have like three different guys who were a five star on at least one of the services, but none of them were a composite five star. Um, so uh, I thought they did a pretty good – they did a better job of getting top 50 guys. They got several top 50 guys. It's just that none of them right. are quite five stars. C.J. Carr, the quarterback, who at one point was a five-star quarterback, he fell down to number 68 in the country. So, you know, he's just outside of five-star status. Um, yeah. So they, they have some really talented players. One One thing I liked about their class is that – it's not just tight ends and offensive linemen, which is something we've seen a lot of from Notre Dame. Is like yeah. it's kind of like Ohio State. Like it's been a thing with them in past years where the bulk of their best players were all receivers, you know. And and right. that's an oversimplification. But and, and Notre Dame, it's it's you know a whole bunch of offensive tackles and tight ends, and that's great. Like that's a big deal. But man, it's a little nicer when you get top 100 quarterbacks and top 100 receivers in the class and and top 100 defensive linemen like that is that is a big deal um Notre Dame has all of those um of the kind of the five key positions that we always talk about in college football uh quarterback receiver uh, cornerback edge and defensive line or no offensive tackle sorry um mm-hmm. 
The only one that they don't have a top 100 player at is cornerback, and they do have a couple of four stars there. So I thought they did a better job of maybe hitting some of those key positions than they have in some previous classes. It's still not a top five class. It's not elite, but maybe they're finally figuring a few things out in some of those more important positions. The, the point about Ohio State, like having a really inflated class, but, you know, you know, we've got a, you know, five, five stars, but three of our five stars are all receivers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, I think that's, that's a fair point because that, that, that happens. I think Georgia actually falls into a bit of that. Like where that, like how many five-star cornerbacks can you have in one class, you know? And, you know, there's only so many five-star safeties that you can put on the field at one time. So you're right. Like Georgia and Ohio state do that. And I think Notre Dame did a good job of kind of branching out from that a little bit um, this year. That That's a fair point. Can we touch on LSU just a little bit? Um, yeah. On the on the job that 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 they've done there is is this a good class for LSU in your opinion because this feels a little low LSU should not they would feel that LSU should not be falling behind Auburn and certainly not Notre Dame. Yeah, so one of the criticisms of them, I think the previous cycle was that they didn't do a spectacular job in Louisiana. And this this cycle, they did a lot better job. Like they they have a lot of players from their home state. <laughs> it's it's not as spectacular as you would like. And I think you know it's been well documented. The main reason Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU is just access to talent. Right. Um, and it's kind of it's it's a weird situation because if you look, if you look at the next class, if you look at twenty twenty five, he has the number mm-hmm. one quarterback, number one running back, and number one receiver in the country all committed. That's um, true. So. I guess he's showing that he can turn that around. This class, it's it's good. Like it's it's a really good class. It's not quite what you ex- what you would expect at LSU, if that's fair. I mean, it's it's still a top ten class. It's a legit top ten class. Like they, this can be the type of class that you can compete in the SEC with, as long as it's not the peak of your roster. Like, is that fair yeah. to say? Like, like it's 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 a it's a minus class or whatever. Like it's, it's not an A plus class. Uh, that's fair. It's enough. It, it's, it's okay. If this is not your best, you know what I mean? Like if this yeah. is not your best class and, and next year you have a stacked class, this is an okay, bad class. Like essentially like it's, it's your kind of your, your get me over pitch in baseball. Like just, just mm-hmm. get me a strike somehow. And, and then, you know, I'll come with my good stuff next, you know, next pitch. I think that's, it's a good point. And yeah, I think that's well put. Um, let's see if we kind of go look at the rest of that list, Florida state at 10, Florida at 11, Florida, (sighs) they could have been so much higher. They lost a lot of players. They were able to hold on to may arguably the best quarterback in the country and arguably the best defensive lineman in the country. Right. Um, it could have been so much better. It's still not like bad. Like the number 11 overall class, that's still a pretty good class. You're talking about a couple five stars, which they didn't get any of the previous cycle. So they, right. they stepped that up a little bit. But Florida is now like they're behind Florida State somehow. Like they're they're yeah in yeah. the same group as Tennessee and Oklahoma. I don't know if that's exactly what they want to be. I'm pretty sure that's not what they want to be. Um. Also, to be fair, Tennessee and Oklahoma signed pretty good classes too. So it's not like they're bad. It's not. It's not a bad thing. I don't know. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be the last last class we see with Billy Napier's name on it. 
Florida Florida was going was going to be in the top three almost all year, like yeah. in recruiting. They lived in the top three. They were they they had kicked Ohio State out. It was like Georgia, Alabama, Florida. Sometimes Texas was really high. Um, sometimes Ohio State was in there, but Florida was definitely in that conversation, and they fell apart late. Um, no question. They were able to hang on to a few key pieces you mentioned. Florida's schedule next year is tough. Like it is brutal, a brutal schedule on the field for them. I kind of agree with you that it could be Napes last year. That could be a real thing. Um, I wonder if they'd take Dan Mullen back. Hmm. <laughs> um, if we move on down the list here, 14 Penn State, 15 Clemson, 16 Texas A&M, 17 Ole Miss, 18 South Carolina, 19 Michigan, 20 USC. So that kind of rounds out the top 20 there. Anything stand out to you as far as like who was who was doing good work? Who was a little disappointing to you? I mean, Clemson at 15 is low, like right, like that's 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 a little low. Yeah, I, that was probably a little disappointing. Um, yeah, kind of worried about those guys over there right now. A little bit concerned. Yeah, I would agree. I, it's it was a small class. It's only 22 commits. Um, their average player ranking is a little higher than. And 15th so i guess there's some hope there but yeah I, I would almost say that some of the others are maybe more sorry maybe more disappointing than clemson although maybe that's just because we've gotten used to clemson being a little lower recently yeah okay if we kind of look at the rest of the top 20 i guess the ones that would disappoint me um well a&m a little bit but that is you know mike elko's new there that's a first class um Michigan and USC to me are a little more disappointing down at the bottom, 19 and 20. Michigan, obviously new coach there too, kind of, although he has been there and USC, Lincoln Riley, like, <laughs> shouldn't it be better at this point, Ashton? Like why are, why is USC the number 20 class in the country? I don't have a great answer for you here. Um, I have no good answer. Um, it, yeah. Okay, it was not very long ago that Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to go to USC, and we thought that he was going to be able to, you know, con to continue to recruit the, you know, elite quarterbacks and, you know, the elite wide receivers, because he had been doing that at Oklahoma. I mean, he did a great job at it. Um, he, I mean, Caleb Williams committed to Oklahoma. You know, he didn't, he didn't commit to USC, he committed to, to Lincoln Riley there. Uh, Spencer Radler was a top quarterback, you know, that, that committed to Oklahoma. Um I don't have a fantastic answer for you. 20 is way too low for USC uh, with, with especially, okay. Like what happened there? Like, this is kind of a bigger, a bigger question more than just recruiting. Like, I think that the USC question is more than just recruiting. The recruiting is, has fallen off as a result of it, but it clearly looks like there's big issues there right now. And I mean, they're losing a lot of games on the field, even with a top shelf quarterback that's something that has not happened, you know, with 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 Lincoln Riley coach teams before. Certainly not at Oklahoma. Um, yeah, it's it's concerning. I mean, the the gripe that like he was can he was making playoffs, fourteen playoffs with Oklahoma consistently. Like he yeah. made a number of them, and sure they didn't win those games, but he was there. You know, he was in the top four. Um, USC is is like he has clearly taken a step back. Like no question about it right now. Yeah, it's it's a little puzzling. I do think a huge part of it is just, and I don't want to take blame away from Lincoln Riley necessarily, but I don't think there's really good buy-in right now with their with their program. Like they threw a bunch of money at Riley. I don't know if they've gone all in. Like 
the the obvious example of this is Georgia. Um, for years, being a ten and two type of program under Mark Richt, yeah. um, yeah. you know, which is pretty solid. Like a lot of people would really love to have a ten and two program. When they brought in a someone who had been in the Saban system, like at Alabama, Kirby, basically, I mean, a condition of his him taking that job was. I need a blank check. Like when I ask for something, I need it. Like you need to say yes. Like if you're in, if you're all in, I'll get you what you want. You'll win titles, but you got to be all in. And then we've seen what has come from that. And Georgia is just rolling right along. I'm sure that they'll be the number one program in our program rankings pod later this, this off season. USC is not doing that. I I just don't think you can possibly say they're doing that. I've been a little encouraged by some of the things I've heard this offseason about, you know, Riley embracing a more physical practice and and be trying to become more defensive focused as a team and and you know, not just putting up the video game numbers, but actually being physical, like things like that that should be a given. Man, it sure would be nice if you had some nice recruiting classes to go with that though. So you you think it's it maybe a lack of nil? Is that kind of what you're hinting at? Is not that there's even not, just nil. Not to buy in there. Maybe maybe nil is part of it, but there's more to spending on your college football program than just nil. I mean, you just right. your recruiting budget and the the facilities, and I'm not just talking about the stadium itself. All like the training facilities and all of that stuff. Like there's just endless things that go into it, and it's not about having a a bowling alley in your whatever, or, or like a slide in your facility like Clemson has. It's, it's the other stuff. It's the training table. It's, it's the stuff, you know, where, where do the players like they have, they need to have good tutors and just like all that stuff that goes into making their experience as good as possible. The, the training and conditioning, like that is a big deal. How, how many guys do you have helping your, your head uh, strength and conditioning coach? Like, like, does does he have the budget he needs to make things happen? Like, I, there's just we see a lot of it as guys that are pretty dialed in, people that pay attention. We still don't even see nearly the whole of it. Everything that goes into getting a program running along at at the level that you need it to 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 really compete at the highest level. So, and I agree with that. I I do feel that Riley does deserve some of the blame for not getting that on, you know, those guys on board, because you mentioned like, like the Georgia scenario. And I think that's, it's a fair one. I mean, Kirby came to Georgia with like, I mean, there was a, you know, a clause there that, Hey, I'm not, I'm not coming unless you give me everything I asked for. Like, you will not be able to tell me no. If you tell me no, I'm not going to show up. And that was day one. Like, that yeah. was set out very early on. And that doesn't seem to have been the case with Lincoln Riley. It felt more like he was kind of ducking Oklahoma at a, you know, at a certain time. And we're not going to say he was ducking the SEC. And I really don't think that he was um, as much as, you know, people, you know, make that um, or try are trying to make that, you know, the reason. I felt that maybe certain relationships in Oklahoma were not at a fantastic place. And it does like, I would say that Lincoln Riley is a little bit more of an NFL style coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of why I'm a little surprised that he's still there. Like I'm, I am, he's, he's going all in for this year. He's changing some things on the defense and good for him. They like, they needed to be changed. I thought he was going to kind of opt out and jump to the NFL. 
that. That's mm-hmm. that's that was kind of my. I just kind of assumed it. I thought maybe he'd go with Caleb Williams. Maybe something would happen. They'd be like a package deal. Try to team up again in the NFL. It's it's not happening. At least not not so far. Barring major changes. Um, yeah, it's it's surprising to still see him there. And I do think he should have done a better job early on. And he does deserve a little bit of blame for not setting himself up for success early on from the boosters. And and maybe USC just doesn't have like the booster depth, you know, that that Georgia does. Maybe there's not yeah. the amount of money that's actually willing to, you know, go into the program. They can't sell their stadium out. Like you, right. you know what I mean? Like, like they have issues with just fans getting there. So um, yeah, and by the way. Real quick, while we're on the USC topic, how's that going to work in the Big Ten? Like, that's interesting, man. Like, you have Washington and Oregon who sell out every game, right? Like, that's going to be right. those rambunctious fan bases. And then you have USC and UCLA who can – they can just barely get half full. I mean, they're just lucky yeah. just to not have to, you know, rope off sections, you know, because there's too many empty seats. Like, how's that going to work in the Big Ten, who also kind of, I mean, they have certain, you know, programs that have that same, you know, same problem, like Illinois and Indiana and Purdue and Northwestern kind of have some of those issues. It's just, I don't know, it just, it doesn't work. And I'm just, that's uncomfortable for me to talk about. I can't believe USC is going to the Big Ten. That's crazy. Yeah, um, I've, I've sorry, just real quick on the USC thing. I've, I've heard some of this from other people that will maybe a little more dialed into some of these, these background things. If you're Tuscaloosa, if you're sorry, if you're co- coaching in Tuscaloosa, um, you can hire an army of analysts and graduate assistants and pay them seventy five thousand dollars each, and they can easily, you know, they could pay their rent and 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 make a decent li- like it's a decent living in Tuscaloosa. It is in Los Angeles. You you can't do that. Like you, you need the cost of living is just a lot higher in L.A. And so right. some of those lower paying jobs, the, the analysts, the GAs, and what, whatever, like just all of those lower paying jobs to fill out your your football program, it's just a little harder to, to attract people to, to those types of jobs when the cost of living is that much higher in a place like L.A. I, I agree to it to a point. I just... LA is not a not a college football driven town like right. like Tusk like Tuscaloosa and Athens and Gainesville yeah. Knoxville um Columbus Ohio Ann Arbor Michigan those are like like the university is like that that football team is what that town is about you know yeah. and it's not the same deal in LA like there's you know a USC game is you know the fifth biggest attraction on a Saturday night you know right <laughs> like there's there's other things going on that people just seem to care more about out there so yeah it, it's a fair point I, I I don't really have a good answer as to you know how it's going to get better for him there I really don't I don't know how that gets better um at USC um I'm sure it could I just I, I personally don't yeah I I don't know what the next step is I I think you have to start recruiting better probably that like you start need, need to bring more buzz um, and more energy, you know, to the fan base and to the boosters and then use, you know, try to parlay that into some more money. Um, but it's very surprising to see them this slow. And and I do think it was fair to talk about them for as long as we have. It's a big deal. Like, like we thought USC could be a potential playoff team. Like when, when Riley went out there, like they they had playoff buzz and to see them recruiting this low is, is concerning. Right. Uh, and a more cheerful thing let's maybe just mention like Ole Miss and South Carolina being in the top 20 uh that that's pretty cool to see um those are two programs that are not necessarily top 20 historically 
top 20 programs, but they have coaches that are, they at least know what's, and it's different levels. Um, Obviously Lane Kiffin, he's got a really high job approval at Ole Miss, higher than Shane Beamer does at South Carolina. Um, But those are two coaches that I think know what needs to be done to, to raise their level, whether or not they could do it remains to be seen, but they at least are getting some results in their, on the recruiting trail, which is good to see. Trying very hard. Um, yeah. South Carolina is like, there's no question that they are, they, they've recruited well for, for a little while. And yeah, to, to see a team that is, was struggling on the field this past year recruit that, that well, I think is, I mean, they're, they're one spot above the defending national champs, which right. I know there was a coaching change made. Can we talk about Michigan just a little bit? Like, and they're one I just top get, 100 recruit. Well, I mean, there was a coaching change. There was a coaching right. change. That's fair. Sharon Moore was on the staff the whole time, though, and and coached eight. Was it four games? I think Sharon Moore coached four. Well, no, I guess he was the head coach for the the suspensions early on, wasn't he? One of them. Um, he, so he coached a total. Wait, it was four total because the last suspension was the last three games, and then he had one of the first three games so that's right total of four games yeah okay yeah either way he was the head coach for a little while and Harbaugh leaving I like yeah I I don't have a whole lot here for Michigan they they were recruiting low anyway they were about developing guys and they lost all their guys (laughs) like all the guys they developed left and, and we're not really bringing any in so with without I know you're a Notre Dame fan and and you're going to be very, very happy seeing them at 19. Like, what do we think of, of Michigan moving forward? What are they moving forward? What's their identity recruiting wise? Well, honestly, if you look at the last five years or whatever, or the last three years specifically when they won the big 10 and eventually a national title under Jim Harbaugh, you don't, if you're telling the story of the last three years of Michigan football, you get several paragraphs down, like you get pretty far down the story before you even talk about recruiting. Like it's all, it's, it's been completely about developing players and quite frankly, holding on to fifth and sixth year guys, thanks to COVID like that, like they benefited from that more than anybody else in the country. And they had a lot of four-star players in their, on their roster and a 23 year old four-star, let's be honest, is probably going to be a better college player than a 20-year-old five-star. Like, they they, it, they kind of just hit gold in in that specific circumstance. And I'm not trying to take credit away from them. They, they took advantage of the situation they were presented with. And better than anyone we've seen since maybe like the Clemson title teams, they developed their talent so well. And that's right. going to be what they have to do. I, I haven't seen any proof that they can recruit at Ohio State's level or even Oregon's like I maybe they can I mean it is it is one of the biggest brands in college football history we still haven't seen Michigan recruit at a top five level consistently in a long time like it's it's been a long time since they were that program recruiting wise I don't know that Sharon Moore needs to get them there I think he needs to figure out how to Continue the ball rolling with the, with the whole. We're going to absolutely maximize every single player that comes in here. We're going to 
develop these guys like nobody else. And we're going to lose very few guys after their junior year. And we're going to have an old roster who is very good. And I wouldn't be shocked if 10 years from now, we look back at this era of college football. And the most surprising thing that we see is the fact that Michigan was able to win a national title. So that that does feel a little bit like finding gold then you think i i feel the same way like like how do you how do you explain they they recruited just well enough to make you know you know like the blue chip ratio they they were there they right. just got there and and the, the recruiting has kind of been there they they recruited well at certain areas and they're kind of continuing too like they brought in a top quarterback right like mm-hmm. they kind of they brought in and, and JJ McCarthy was a five star when he came in. Like him and Donovan Edwards, uh, I think Donovan Edwards was also was also a five star, and they kind of developed a lot of high four star guys. Um, I just I I don't know I don't know that you can develop your way to titles the way they did. I I it's not it's not sustainable in my opinion. I don't think that's sustainable. The thing they have to do, and I, I mentioned it, and I've heard that this is not original thought with me, and and I've heard this about. Um, well, okay, if you talk about like the Stanford teams under Harbaugh, by the way, yeah. same guy, they got old and they stayed old. And you're constantly starting 15 seniors. Like every year you have a whole bunch of fifth-year guys that stuck around. And maybe NIL can be a big part of that. Maybe you choose to stay in Michigan an extra year instead of going and being a fifth-round draft pick in the NFL. And that's like – there is a certain level of sustainability with that, I think. But if we're talking about actually competing for national titles, you probably need a little more than that. And I'm not sure that in a in a post-COVID year availability world, I don't know if they can stack their roster with quite as many fifth and sixth year seniors as they did this this year. Can I can I circle back? to a team that I talked about a, a, a bit ago, Clemson at 15, because mm-hmm. they did not take a big class. You're right. And maybe it was wrong of me to call it disappointing. It was disappointing, not from a, not from a, a high school recruiting standpoint, but from the, pa- from the fact that they didn't really get involved in the portal too heavily. Absolutely. We, we talked about it a lot this past this past year, really even a year ago, last offseason, we talked about it, how they weren't taking any portal guys. And it's like, okay, they're going to try this, and we, we think they should, but they're not going to. And I guess, you know, let's see if it works for them. Well, it, it didn't work for them. It did not work for them. And we thought that they would adjust, and, and they, they, they kind of attempted to, but it was a, a half-hearted attempt at a few offensive linemen that they all whiffed on. Right. Like, isn't it concerning that they still aren't really doing this? It very much is. It's interesting if you if you look at the recruiting rankings, just looking at the high school rankings, they have the number 11 class. They're good, yeah. Which is pretty in line with where a lot of their classes over the last decade have been. Right. They, they got up into the top five once, I think, um, right after their second title. Um, they've had a few other top 10 classes but this is not like significantly out of line with where a lot of their classes over the last 10 years have been. But then, you know, you, you adjust the rankings to account for a transfer portal and you go to the overall rankings and you're down to 15 and that it feels like they've been. Yeah. That just, that kind of feels about right. If you, if you're thinking about just their, 
complete disregard for the portal. Like you're going <laughs> to just drop a few spots and your overall. And if you drop four spots every single year and you're looking at the overall roster, like maybe you dropped seven or eight spots in the overall roster health over a four year period. Whereas previously, like I, I think if we just go back three, four years, it yeah. wasn't a huge stretch to say Clemson had a top five roster in the country. Correct. And it was just objectively true. Like, yeah. like the depth there that they had was, was correct. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, yeah. It was, it was surprising not to see them go after anyone super hard because they could bring in transfers if they wanted. Clemson is still one of those programs. They could get guys There are destinations still. Um, and, and it was a, a very half-hearted attempt. I think it was three or four offensive linemen that they, they kind of pursued a little bit and they didn't get any of them. Yeah, it was it was just surprising. It was surprising to not see them uh, jump all in. I have a question for you. Um, of these three schools, which one do you view the best going forward, both on the field and recruiting? I'm giving you schools that recruited very well this year, by the way. Um, Miami, Auburn, or Florida? Who is the best Ooh. going forward from there? Is this like a program ranking <clears throat> question? <laughs> I think so. You're, you're projecting. You're projecting here, of course. Um, right. But yeah, going forward, you you project the, those programs in what order? If we're just talking quality of team, as opposed to like, okay, so you have to factor in the fact that Miami's in the ACC and the other two are the SEC. Yeah. I think, I think Auburn might be the best of those three programs going forward. Um, I think Miami will be the best recruiting wise. And then as we always kind of joke around, Mario Cristobal's worth about negative two wins just on the field, just coaching on on game day. Is um, that fair, though? Is that fair? Like, is it really? The, the timeout thing with Georgia Tech is well-documented, and we all watched it, and we were aware of that. But surely, like, surely we're going to learn. Surely we're going to learn about that. It's not that hard. It's really not. You can just have like a guy in your ear that just tells you like, oh, no, no, don't call that timeout right there. Yeah. So we've been, it's, it's a lot of people have said this about James Franklin for a long time is where he's, he's like a really good recruiter, but you know, he's really just a, a C on game days. Cristobal okay. somehow is more extreme. Like I, I feel like he's a better recruiter and somehow even worse, though, because it's not just the Georgia Tech game. Like, no one thought that he was an excellent game day coach before the Georgia Tech fiasco. Like, like it's it's been yeah. a thing for five or six years, like going back to the Oregon days. <sighs> Cristobal, he's, he's everything you want when it comes to recruiting. And, you know, he, he values a lot of the right things, the, the, the line play, like the toughness of the team. So he's raising <laughs> Miami's floor. Yes. I would value them uh, over Florida going forward um, just because of that, the recruiting aspect of it, the the line play. Um, okay. I do think if you're talking about somewhat comparable rosters, man, I just feel like Hugh Freeze has a lot of – like if you're talking about X's and O's, <laughs> Hugh Freeze has, has the edge there significantly over Mario Cristobal. So I guess I would rank those three – Auburn, Miami, Florida. And okay. obviously if Florida makes a really great hire this next offseason, then that could all change. But that's the way I would view it right now. <laughs> what about you? I gotta now you have to answer the question too, since you're the one who made me answer it first. <laughs> I don't care to. I have no desire to answer that one. Um I'll probably go 
I still think Florida is. I'll probably go Florida one. Wow. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably still do it. I Is that assuming Florida they ha- make a great hire next year? Or, or what is the assumption there? Yes. I, I, Florida as a program is by far the best program. Um, Traditionally, now, yes, th- absolutely. Cor- correct. And and I, I do think that Florida has some issues right now at the very, very top. Um, I think their their AD is not fantastic, not at all. Um, yeah. And they have a few things that they need to get sorted out. Florida is one of those sleeping giants as well. Um, yeah. Wow. And you make a you make a good point though for Auburn. Like, I I do believe in Auburn, especially without Saban there. That's a huge right. factor for Auburn, and they could really be about to you know kind of rocket ship upward. Um, I'll I'll go I'll go Florida, Auburn, Miami. I M- Miami's still dead. I struggle to get on board with a program that cannot fill a stadium up, even when you're kind of good. If yeah. you can't fill fill up a stadium when it's a competitive night game, you, you, there's no energy there. You have no energy in your program, which means, I mean, it leads me to really question what you know what the Big Ten is doing when you're bringing in schools like you know Rutgers and Maryland and you know all these um, USC and UCLA. They can't fill up stadiums like. Imagine a an SEC stadium that's not completely packed. You can't like they're all completely packed, and and Miami just can't get people there. Like that's what's mm-hmm. so surprising. Like Miami and Florida State, they're they're similar in the fact that they're in the state of Florida, but like they're so different because like Florida State is 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 just jam packed, you know, all the time. There's a lot of energy there, and I can't really take you seriously until people show up to your games because I mean your own fans aren't taking you seriously yet. Yeah, and Miami will never be like. LSU or one of these other Southern schools, excuse me, where you have a hundred thousand seat stadium that you just jam pack. I do think they could benefit from just building a small 55,000 seat stadium on their campus where, where their students don't have to drive an hour to go to the game. Um, And you could, if you have it on the campus, who cares if it's just 55,000, like, if those 55,000 are mostly students and they're getting loud, it couldn't be mostly students. It's a private school. It's not huge, but you know what I'm saying? Like if you have a loud 55,000 seat stadium of rabid fans, that, that would be so much better than the current situation where you're playing an NFL stadium across town and it's loud once a year, maybe like depending on the perfect situation. Um, Maybe. And they still talk about the Notre Dame game in 2017. And that was a great atmosphere. Well, seven years ago, seven yeah. years ago, like you need to see it more often than that, I guess, is what right. I'm trying to say. And it's a fair point. Uh, it, it's OK if if you're if people make fun of you for being too much like App State. Like, let's be honest, App State has a better home field advantage than you do right now. So it's maybe really that true. wouldn't be the worst <laughs> thing. It's very true. It's a great point. Yeah, there, there's a ton of programs that have a much better vibe um, around their home stadium than Miami does. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Can can I can I bring up one more program? I know we do have to kind of close and get out of here. Before we do, I want to talk about Colorado, if that's fine. Yeah. Um, you live there. Um okay. They pretty much completely abandoned anything high school recruiting wise. Almost completely. <laughs> they signed one really, really good player, the number one overall um offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, Jordan good for them. Yep. Yeah, Jordan Seaton from IMG. That's hey, huge for them. Position of need, massive need. He will need to pretty much be a stud week one. Like he will probably walk in and be the best offensive lineman 
in the joint. Like, no joke. They did not recruit well at all in the high school recruiting. However, they took a whole bunch of transfers. I don't even know what to make of this. I, I really don't. I didn't know what to make of it last year. They started out great, by the way. They started out so well, which is not really what you would have thought with a whole bunch of people just playing together for the first time ever. They started out and their offense was moving. They were playing well. And then you saw like their lack of depth. And you're like, oh, wow, like they, they can't stop the run. And they actually cannot pass protect. They have no ability to pass, uh, pass protect. I, I don't even know what to make of this team. What do you think? I, It's so hard to have the discussion about Colorado with, with Coach Prime just because – you always have, this is at least what I, I can never have this conversation without trying to contextualize everything. Like if we put it in the context of what Colorado football has been for the last 15 years, right? it's still pretty good. Like the fact that they got one five-star and a few other four stars, you know, just, okay. So let's, let's count them up. They're high school recruits. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven total recruits from mm-hmm. high school and 24 transfers. Um, yeah. But if we kind of yeah. combine them, which you sort of have to do, you're talking about 10, 11 blue chip players total. Like yep. when is, when has Colorado ever done that? And and the fact that some of those are actually like proven college players, um, yeah. very few all American type of guys, like they're not going to do that. And, 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 and last year, like you have again, the context is everything because last year all the casuals watching <laughs> their first three games where they're three and zero and it's all on national <laughs> TV, and, and you have people uh, saying, you know, the national title game is going to be Georgia and Colorado. Like people said that that's correct. People anyone that, that pays attention to college football knew that that was always absolutely ridiculous, like completely mm-hmm. off the rails. Mm-hmm. I think Dion has brought their program to a much better spot. Correct. I don't know how sustainable it is, and I suspect we will be talking about Dion Sanders being a head coach somewhere else in the next 48 months. Whether he has one or two more years at Colorado, I think that's probably about it. About it. Like maybe he ends up at an Arizona State or something like that next, which is maybe not a huge step up, but it would be a step up. And Man, I guess my whole thing is, no, Colorado will not be going to the college football playoff or anything like that. They're in a better spot than they were before they hired Coach Prime. Will will Prime be there a year from now? Flip a coin. I, I said 48 months for a reason. Like To me, it feels like you can hedge it with the second year. I Max, two more years at Colorado. You said 48 months? 24? Sorry, I meant 24. I don't know why I said 48. My math is bad, apparently. (laughs) I meant 24 months. I meant two years. Yeah, okay. I I, I think he's got one or two more years. So it just probably depends on what the the job offer is this December. He's not, surely not at Florida. Surely not. That'd be wild. Wouldn't that That be wild? That would be wild. I think for that to happen, he would almost... He'd probably have to go at least eight and four this year. 
I was going to say he would need to improve a lot and they would actually need to win, you know, conference games. Like they, right. they did not really do much of that last year at all. So yeah. um, they, I, but they did sneak one out against Arizona state, I think in a close one, that was their only yeah. conference win. Um, yeah. And they kind of got smoked by almost everyone else. So to be fair, yeah. the big 12 now, since they're back in the big 12 last year was the PAC 12, which was, you know, they had six or so really good teams. The Big Twelve is way more level, I guess. Like you could argue, there's not, there's not a lot of trash teams in the Big Twelve, but there's also no great teams. Um, Correct. So maybe this is where we see the coaching chops. Like I think if you are a really good game day coach, that this is where this is the conference where you can prove that because the rosters are not significantly different from one another. Although Colorado still is definitely on the bottom part of that, especially on the lines. Um, I do think they have some neat toys to work with, though, um, at receiver, corner. And, of course, I was going to say, Will Shepard, the the receiver that they brought in from Vanderbilt, that guy's good. That guy's good. He got open against good SEC corners. Like, he's for sure going to get open against against, um, Big 12 corners, no doubt. They open uh, week one is a home game. uh, North Dakota State, the Bison, uh, go to Boulder. That's going, like, I'm serious. As, As If Colorado can just not get run over. Um, they will be doing well because North Dakota State is physical. Like that's right. a team that is a pro style offense and going to try to run the ball on you. So we'll yeah. find out early. They play and then they go to Nebraska week two. Um, Can we so, mention yeah, that? Th- we'll find that's out. a terrible scheduling decision. Scheduling Awful. North Dakota State if you're Colorado. Absolutely Why terrible. There, <laughs> there is there is no win for you right there. Like you you can beat them by a bunch and ah no one cares. FBS school, um or FCS school and yeah yeah. And then they're actually just good. Like that's kind of the problem is they're, they're just, that's a really well coached, um, well-developed football team. So yeah, that's going to be, I would never schedule them ever. Yeah. Well, I think we kind of beat the 2024 recruiting rankings to, to death. Now, uh, before we wrap this up, you got like, like what are your 32nd thoughts on the early version of the 2025 recruiting rankings? I mean, <sighs> Do I have to have some? Like, no, I, you don't. I don't know. <laughs> Notre Dame is Notre Dame is recruiting very, very well. We'll we'll give you guys that. And and you, but you have way more commits than anyone else. Yes. Like currently, Georgia is number eight. Georgia is not going to finish number eight. Um, that is correct. Alabama's Alabama's no nowhere even close, and and we don't even know where they'll finish. But like, you're Ohio State's currently at four. I expect them to at least hold there, if not go up. LSU is off to a flyer next year. We talked about them a little bit. They have elite. They have three five stars already um, in the 25 class. Number one quarterback, number one receiver, and I think the number two running back or maybe the number one running back. Um, But yeah, they're off to a banger for sure. So yeah, I, it's, it's hard to know. By the way, Um, just real quick. Sorry, sorry to butt in the quarterback. We should mention him by name a little bit. Bryce Underwood. He's the number one player in the country he's considered to be a really special talent. So that was a huge get for LSU. The LSU is recruiting uh, Duncanville, Texas very well. Like that's, that's that like the powerhouse there in Texas that wins a lot of championships. They have gotten a lot of good players from there the last couple of years. Um, and they will, yeah, in this class as well with the number one overall receiver. So yeah, LSU, I think is probably the school that I would like, ah, I, there we are. That's a team that we, we expected them to, you know, to, to recruit at least fairly well. Um, but yeah, they're out there. Clemson also a team that re- is recruiting very, very well for next year. So we'll throw them, throw them a bone as well. Yeah. I was going to mention those are the, so it's the ones that stand out to me right now are LSU, Clemson, Ohio state, the number two through four classes right now. 
you talked about LSU, Clemson, their blue chip ratio right now in that class is nine to one. That's pretty mm-hmm. solid. Um, yes. And then if you look at Ohio State, I'm impressed by what they've done. They have the the top two cornerbacks in the country committed, um, who are both five stars, top six players in the country overall. So well done by them. They also have the number five edge in the country. They have their quarterback already, who's the number four quarterback in the country. And they have, just for good measure, they have the number 10 cornerback in the country committed as well. And they're the favorites for Dorian Brew, who's another high four-star corner. Um, They're trying to do something about the defensive side of the ball. Um, Yeah, so I I guess I just wanted to give them a little bit of props because I do feel like we have had some, and rightly so, we've been a little critical of of Ohio State's secondary and defense as a whole the last three, four years. And I, I think they're... Finally starting to do something about that. Um, Yes. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Any final thoughts before we wrap this podcast up? No, I think that's it for me. Um, Yeah. There's a lot of recruiting there and uh, some, you just, you have to keep your eye on it kind of year round because it changes like the, the calendar is so wide open right now that you never know when someone's going to commit McIntyre, the, uh, one of the top quarterbacks, uh, committed to Tennessee, George McIntyre. Yeah. From, from Nashville there, uh, committed to Tennessee, I think, uh, yeah, like a couple of weeks back. So you always just, yeah, kind of have to keep your head on a swivel. You never know when something will, will pop loose. Speaking of, of the quarterback, like if, if you don't have your high school quarterback for the class of 2025 yet, like it might be almost too late. Like that, that is the position that it fills up so quick. In fact, I'm just pulling it up right now. So we're talking right rising seniors who haven't even like they're still in their junior year. The highest ranked player who is not committed is the number six quarterback. So the top five are all gone. Seven, eight, and nine are all committed. 11, mm-hmm. 12, 14, 15, 16. Like, yeah, it's it's going away very quickly. Um, yeah, if, if you want a quarterback, <laughs> you, you got to get on it before – be almost before their junior year starts like that is the way it goes now and you just have to be really good at evaluating very young players um do you feel like georgia will get antoine hill from warner robbins who was not sure colorado yeah possibly possibly but that that's a question there is if like does georgia want him i know he's uh, ranked very highly in some of the rankings there's some questions kind of about his polish like he's just a really big talk kid right now um, and is that someone that you do want to, you know, want to have, is that a take for you? So not to sound too elitist, but yeah, does Georgia actually want him? I think is, I mean, honestly, that's the question that people are asking right now, at least around here. Sure. All right. Well, I think that's probably enough. Um, for those of you who don't get any enjoyment out of recruiting, I apologize. Cause that's about all we talked about in this episode, but yeah, thanks for everybody for listening. I personally get excited for recruiting, so, but yeah, yeah, um, because it does just say so much about the future of college football and where we're, what, what programs to keep an eye on looking forward. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody, and God bless you all. <laughs>